And if we could all take our Bibles and turn to Mark chapter number eight. Mark chapter number eight. Thank you so much for being here today at New Life. And to everyone who's joining us online, thank you so much for being a part of the service today. We're thankful that you're here. Now, for those of you online, if you would take just a moment, uh, and if you would like, uh, and if you're willing, if you'd share uh, this message, this service today, we're going to have a great time in God's word. Our goal here at New Life is to love Jesus and to love like Jesus. And we want to get God's word out to as many people as we can. So if you share, uh, you can make a big difference. Thank you for doing so. Also, if you'd like to partner with New Life, thank you so much for, uh, for, for that. We, um, we are excited about what God is doing here. And if you'd like to partner with New Life through giving, you can do so at thenewlife.church or you can text eight. 84321, and uh, we should be pretty easy to find that way. Uh, let's go ahead and take our Bibles and turn to Mark chapter number 8. And we are in a sermon series that we are calling Fake Jesus. Uh, everyone has misconceptions. Everyone has ideas about Jesus. And what we're doing here for the next couple of weeks is we are debunking myths about Jesus. In week number one, we debunk the myth of a genie Jesus. The idea that Jesus is just here to do for me whatever I want, that Jesus exists for me instead of the other way around. So we debunked that myth. Last week, we debunked the myth of... Uh, Oh, I just lost it. I just lost it. Pardon me. Uh, so what, what myth did we debunk last week? Uh, I can't remember, but we debunked one. You'll have to go back and check it out. And then today we are going to be debunking the myth, uh, uh, another myth of Jesus today. So Mark chapter number 8 and verse number 27, Mark eight twenty-seven. The Bible says, And Jesus went out and his disciples into the towns of Caesarea Philippi. And by the way, he asked his disciples, saying unto them, Who do men say that I am. And they answered John the Baptist, and some say Elias, and others one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Peter answereth and saith unto him, Thou art the Christ. And he charged them that they should tell no man of him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes, and be killed." And after three days, rise again. And he spake that saying openly, and Peter took him and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. Today we're going to be debunking the myth of an average, of an average Jesus. Let's pray together and ask God's blessing on this time in his word. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness to us. And we thank you for the opportunity that we have to study your word. And Lord, I pray that you would do amazing things in our hearts and in our lives as we study your word. May we learn uh, and see you for who you are. Lord, I pray that you'd be with me as I preach. I ask that you'd fill me with your spirit. Uh, I pray that you'd help uh, my mind to be sharp and clear. May I communicate in a way that everyone can understand what, what your intent in this passage is. Holy Spirit, I ask that you'd help me to say only what you want me to say, nothing more, nothing less. And I ask for your blessing on every person who's here today, whether in person or online. I ask uh, for you to give them exactly what they need from your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, there are a lot of big questions in life that need to be asked and that need to be answered. There's lots of really big questions, uh, and, and today I'm here to ask and answer some of those, ask some of those questions. I don't know that I can answer all of them, uh, but one of life's big questions that we need to ask, I think, is this. Uh, why doesn't Tarzan have a beard? 
Why doesn't Tarzan have a beard? I mean, after all, he lived in the jungle for all of his life. He never had a razor, but he was always clean shaven. I need the answer to that question because I hate shaving. Uh, so, but Adriana doesn't like it if I grow a beard. Uh, another question that I think we all need to ask is, why do we press the remote on, on the controller? Why do we press it harder whenever we know that the battery's dead? It's not gonna help anything. Uh, how many of you are, I'm guilty of that one. I have, here's another question that I have. Why do people say that you're sleeping like a baby, saying that you mean that you're sleeping well whenever we all know, if you have kids, that babies wake up every two hours? Uh, I don't understand. Why do we say I'm sleeping like a baby? Uh, I have another question, and this one will change everything for you. Why does the alphabet song and Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, why do they have the same tune? I don't know those questions, but, but in all seriousness, we all have serious questions in life. Everyone does. Everyone wants to know the questions uh, to life that have been debated for uh, as long as we have been here. Questions like, where do I come from? Questions like, uh, who am I? Questions like, what is my purpose in life? Questions like, what will happen to me after I die? Those are questions that people have been asking uh, for a long time, questions that people ask today, and those questions are all questions that are answerable if we know the answer to the question that we are going to study today. Today, we see a question in our, in our text today, in Mark chapter number eight, we see a question that is being asked that if I have the answer to this question, it really settles in my heart all of the other big questions of life. In Mark chapter number eight, we have really reached the midway point, the halfway point of this gospel. And in this gospel, we've, reached, we've really reached halftime. In, in sports, at halftime, teams go to the locker room, they focus on their goal of winning the game, and they make adjustments so they can focus on winning a game. Here in Mark chapter number eight, we've reached the central point of Mark's gospel, and everything hereafter is going to revolve around what we talk about today. It's a big question, and it's, um, it's a major, and it's an important part, portion of this book. The question is this, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? If I understand that question, it helps me uh, know the, que the answer of who am I? What is my purpose in life? Uh, what will happen to me after I die? If I know the question, if I know the answer to the question, who is Jesus? Uh, if I understand what, what, Mark is what Mark is communicating in this text, then we'll understand uh, all of life's bigger questions. Uh, here he asks, who is Jesus? So today, as we go through Mark 8, 27 through 33, we're going to see and answer this question, who is Jesus? First of all, I notice in this passage, let's talk about Jesus's method in revealing his identity. Jesus's method in revealing his identity. Let's look at Mark 8, 27. It says, and Jesus went out and his disciples into the towns of Caesarea Philippi. And by the way, he asked his disciples, saying unto them, Who do men say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist, but some say Elias, and others one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Peter answereth and saith unto them, Thou art the Christ. And he charged them that they should tell no man. Jesus is walking with his disciples. And if you remember from last week, Jesus healed the, he healed the blind. We saw and we, we debunked the myth. Now I remember, we debunked the myth of a predictable Jesus, the Jesus who has to do everything uh, the way that I think that he should. 
And we saw last week Jesus heal the blind man, and now a crowd is starting to gather. People are starting to take interest in who Jesus is. So Jesus takes his disciples in our text today. Jesus takes his disciples away. And if you look with me in verse 27, it says, Jesus went out and his disciples into the towns of Caesarea Philippi. He's about to answer for them the question about who he is. They're about to answer the question, who is Jesus? And as he's on his way to revealing his identity to them, we see his method. And the first thing that I notice about his method is that he reveals himself to them relationally. Relationally. If you notice, it says that he takes them through Caesarea Philippi. Now, Caesarea Philippi was an extreme northern Israel. Uh, it was a small country place. It was a place where uh, there wasn't large crowds. It wasn't a major city. It wasn't a major town. There weren't a lot of people in Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi was at the head of the Jordan River. Uh, the Jordan River really stopped there. So it was, a, it was a beautiful place. It was a place that was uh, very quiet and secluded. And it was actually a place that really, if you were going to take like a leadership retreat, then you would want to go to Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi was a place where you could get away from the world. It was a place where you could get, just get away from everything and, and have some quiet. It was a place where if you were going to teach, not in a large setting, but if you were going to teach in a very intimate setting, you would want to go to Caesarea Philippi. So Jesus takes his disciples away to a private place. He takes them to a place, a beautiful place. He takes them to a place where he can spend some time individually with them to reveal his identity to them. We see that Jesus opens up a conversation here and he says, who, whom do men say that I am? Who do men say that I am? I, I love this because of all the ways that Jesus could reveal his identity, he could have sat them down and he could have said, hey, listen, I'm going to tell you something right now. But he opens it up with a question. Isn't that amazing? And I think about in, in my own life, the ways that I learn and the ways that I grow and the things that have been most impactful to me, it's always happened within the context of relationship as opposed to the context of just being sat down and told something. For example, I had a teacher whenever I was in high school. His name is Brother Bragg. We call him, uh, his name's Dave Bragg. And Brother Bragg was one of my teachers. He was a basketball coach. Uh, he taught math and Bible and uh, he preached to us a lot. But whenever I think about, he's one of the most impactful people in my life but whenever I think about the impact that he had on me, uh, I don't think about classes. I don't think about, I don't think about times that he got up and taught God's word. I don't think about those times. I don't, I, I think about the times where we would go out and we'd go grab, we'd go out and grab a Pepsi together. And we just, we'd have a conversation and talk about life where I'd ask him questions uh, about things that I, was, that I was thinking through or struggling with. It was, it was in the midst of conversations that my life was deeply impacted by somebody who simply took the time to care about me. And here we see Jesus uh, reaching out to his disciples, and he's doing it in a way that is very relational. He's saying, hey, uh, everyone wants my attention. Everyone wants a piece of me, yet I want to take you to a private place where we can spend some time together. He takes them through Caesarea Philippi, and he asks them, who do men say that I am? And if I could just say for, for all of us, as, as we seek to, seek to learn and grow and as we seek to walk with Christ, maybe you're watching and you don't even know Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you're new. Maybe you're checking out church for the first time. I don't know. But if I could just say this, that Jesus is about a relationship. Jesus wants to walk with you. Jesus wants to know you. Jesus wants you to ask your questions. Maybe you're skeptical about Christianity. Maybe you're skeptical about your faith. And could I just say to you that questions are welcome. 
questions are welcome. Jesus asks them a question, and the, the implications of this question are huge. Uh, the implications of this question are ginormous. If, if these disciples get it wrong, uh, that would be a major mess. Yet Jesus still asks them, hey, who do men say that I am? He opens up a conversation. And if I could say for those of us around here who, who know Jesus and are walking with Jesus, if we're going to love like Jesus, we need to love like Jesus relationally. We need to love like Jesus relationally. Uh, we, all have, we all have people in our lives. We all have neighbors that God has placed, placed us around. We all have coworkers that God has placed us around that we can love like Jesus. And if we're going to do it, it needs to happen within the context of a relationship. Then I noticed that Jesus' method in revealing his identity, he revealed it relationally, but I also noticed that he revealed it personally. He revealed it personally. Continue with me. He says, whom do men say that I am? So he said, hey, what's the word on the street? Uh, what, what are people saying? And the disciples, they say in verse 28, they answered John the Baptist. Uh, we talked about his death several weeks ago, but some say Elias and others, one of the prophets. And so Jesus says, hey, what's, what's the word on the street about me? And the disciples say, well, uh, you know, we've been, we've been at the market and, and some people say that you're John the Baptist, come back from the dead. That's a, that's a, major, that's a major claim. Uh, they say, some of them are saying that you're, you're Elijah. Elijah was an Old Testament prophet that, that had gone to heaven uh, a thousand years earlier, that they were expecting to come back in some shape or form. They're saying, hey, maybe, maybe you're Elijah. Uh, they're saying, hey, we don't know. Who, some people are saying, hey, we don't know who you are, but you're one of the prophets. And here's what they're all saying. They're all saying, hey, we don't exactly know who Jesus is, but we know that there's something special about him. And, and it's true for all of time. Nobody has, an, has just a mediocre, nobody has a, uh, a nonchalant view of Jesus. Uh, people either love him or people hate him. People fear him. Uh, but here we see that people are saying, hey, there, there's something about him, but we can't quite peg it down. And then in verse number 29, he saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? He said, all right, I've asked you, what's the word on the street? What, what do people in general think about me? Now I want to ask you this, what do you, who do you say that I am? Who, who, who do you think that I am? And if I could just say this this morning is that, hey, you know, we can all acknowledge, I've looked at statistics and I've looked at reports, a lot of people have a lot of different ideas about Jesus. But more important than what everyone else out there in this world thinks about Jesus, the major question that Jesus is driving in at is, who do you say that I am? Jesus say, hey, what do you believe about me? And my friend, if I could just say this, Jesus cares what you believe about him. Jesus cares what you believe about him. And there's something that's uh, special. There's something that's unique between just uh, an idea and theory and something that's very personal. For example, I always thought that, you know, uh, that weddings, not exactly my cup of tea. But whenever I was ready to get married, I was cool with going to that wedding. Uh, if I can avoid a wedding, then I'll do it. But I wasn't missing mine. It was personal to me. And my friend, if I could just say this, that what you believe about Jesus, it, it's important what you believe. It's not as important what, what your parents think or what, or what a church says. It's what do you believe about Jesus? And Jesus asked them this question relationally. He asked them personally. And then we see that he asked them factually. It, it's, not a, it's, not a, it's not a question that's, uh, you know, it's not a question that's relativistic in nature. It's not a question that, hey, you know, what is your favorite flavor of ice cream? That's not a right or wrong question. 
Uh, I can like chocolate if you like something different, then you're wrong. But that's my, that's my opinion. That's not actually right or wrong. Jesus asked this question, whom do you say that I am? And Peter answereth and saith unto him, thou art the Christ. Thou art the Christ. And in Matthew's gospel, Jesus says, blessed are you. Uh, he says, Peter, you, you got it exactly right. Uh, you got it right. Uh, God revealed this to you that I am the Christ. We're going to talk about what that means in just a moment. But my friend, Jesus answers this question in a way that is, it leaves no room for debate. Jesus claims to be God. Jesus is God. I had a, uh, a friend, an acquaintance that I made last year. I had a conversation with a guy named Ray. Ray was a brilliant college student. Uh, Ray was, he was wanting to go. I think even now he might be in the Middle East. That was his desire was to go to middle, the Middle East and uh, learn politics out there and be involved in a lot of things. And uh, I talked to Ray for a while and he was a really, really smart guy and I enjoyed my conversation with him. Ray was studying Abrahamic religion. So that means that he was studying uh, Christianity, he was studying Islam, and he was studying Judaism. So he was studying all of them. I have enough trouble uh, just trying to learn more about Christianity. And he was uh, much smarter than me, and he was studying all of them. So we had a conversation for a while, and Ray was talking, we talked about who Jesus is. We, I asked him about what he thought, and he said, you know, I thought, I think Jesus was, uh, he was a nice person. He was a good person. He was, he was a teacher. He impacted a lot of people. Obviously, people are still following his teachings to this day, but I don't think that you can say that one faith uh, is, has truth and another faith doesn't. So we talked about that back and forth, and I was like, okay, why, why do you believe that? And I started asking him questions, and then uh, we got to this question, and I said, Ray, is, the, is there any possibility uh, in, in your mind, because everything that we were going at, it was like, well, it is very, it, you know, there's my truth and there's your truth. Uh, I can, you know, if you like Christianity, then that's great for you. But if someone else likes Islam, then that's great for them. And I asked Ray this question. I said, Ray, um, is there any way, is there any way to prove or to show in your mind that one religion has truth and the others don't? Because all of them claim very, very different things. All of them claim an exclusive pathway to heaven, so they can't really all be right, can they? Is there any way? And Ray said, well, there is one way. He said, if you can prove beyond a shadow of a doubt the most basic truth claims of one religion over another, then I guess you could prove that it's true. So I looked at him and I said, Ray, I said, I think that I, I have that. I have that answer. Uh, you see, all of Christianity is built on, it's based on what Jesus is talking about here, that he is God and that he was going to die and rise again. So if Jesus really did die and then rise again, then that proves that he is who he said he is and that he is, as Jesus said, the way, the truth, and the life. And we see here in this text that Jesus says, hey, who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Jesus is in the process of revealing his identity, that he is the Christ, that he is God, that he is going to be the sacrifice for our sins. And my friend, it is all based on this truth that Jesus is God and what he says is true and that he's going to die and rise again. If you're interested in learning more about it, I recommend uh, a book called The Case for Christ. Check it out. Uh, it, it's a great defense of the resurrection, if you're interested in learning more about that. So we see Jesus's method in revealing his identity. And now 
we see that Jesus, he's called the Christ, and, G, and Jesus said, Peter calls him the Christ, and Jesus says, all right, you're spot on. You're spot on. So Jesus, we saw how he revealed himself. Now we need to ask this question, why? What was the purpose? So let's look at Jesus' purpose in revealing his identity. First of all, we see that he, his purpose in revealing his identity was to declare his deity to declare his deity. They said, thou art the Christ. Peter calls him in Matthew. He says, you are the son of the living God. Uh, Philippians 2, 5 through 11 says, uh, he says, uh, it says that Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. In the book of Hebrews, the Bible says that God the Father calls God the Son, Jesus. He says, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. Jesus is God. And whenever Peter calls him the Son of God, he is claiming deity. He is claiming to be divine. And that's exactly what Jesus claimed. And that's exactly what Jesus said. And that's exactly what Jesus is. That's why on the night of his crucifixion, whenever he stood at trial, Caiaphas, the high priest, said, hey, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed? And Jesus said, yes, I am. Uh, they said, hey, he's blaspheming. He is claiming to be God. Jesus received worship from Thomas as God. Jesus is God, and he's always claimed to be. So it doesn't matter who else. Other religions, other denominations, other uh, groups say, hey, Jesus, maybe he was a man who became God uh, or something like like that. That's nonsense. Jesus has always said that he is God. He's declaring his deity. He's the son of God. Then we see that he's displaying his fulfillment of prophecy. He's revealing himself to them to display his fulfillment of prophecy. They say, hey, you're the Christ. Now we always refer to Jesus as, uh, I don't know if you've, if I've, certain, I've done this. I've been guilty of this where I say, uh, Jesus Christ. And I think that Christ is his last name. Like, my name is David Cripps, and I look at Cripps' last name. But his last name isn't Christ. Jesus Christ. Christ is his title. It's a title meaning he's the anointed one. It means he's the Messiah. He's the one that all of the Old Testament points to. All of the Old Testament, from, from the very beginning, from the Garden of Eden, whenever, whenever man sinned against God in the garden, and God promised, hey, there's someday there's going to be uh, a man born of uh, the seed of a woman, a, a virgin born, uh, the virgin born son of God will be born and will crush Satan's head and will remove sin, will take away our sin. Uh, that was promised in the Garden of Eden and it was pointing to Jesus in the very beginning of Genesis. In Genesis 12, God promised to Abraham that through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Here's what he's saying. Hey, someday there's going to be someone who comes from your line, from your family line and all the world will be blessed because of him. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus, in Jesus, we have all spiritual blessings. We have all heavenly blessings because of Jesus. In Isaiah, he was prophesied. And the, he says, uh, this shall be a sign unto you. Behold, a virgin shall conceive, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, which is God with us. And all throughout the Old Testament, it points to a Messiah who would come. So whenever Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ. He's saying, you are the one that mankind has been looking for since the very beginning. You're the one mankind has been looking for from the very since the very beginning. He's displaying his fulfillment of prophecy. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and he was buried and he rose again according to the scriptures. All of the Old Testament points to Jesus, and Jesus is saying, hey, I'm fulfilling all of it. And then we see that he's revealing, he's revealing his purpose. 
in verse number 31, it says, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he spake that saying openly, and Peter took him and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. So he reveals to them his purpose. If Jesus is God, then why in the world would he come and be with man? Why would he be in this? Why would he be uh, here with these disciples? And he says, hey, the whole reason why I'm here, the whole reason why I'm here, is to die. The whole reason why I'm here is to be buried and rise again. And my friend, Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for your sins and to pay for my sins. Jesus Christ died on the cross to take away our shame, our guilt and our shame from, from the overwhelming weight of our sin. Jesus died, like we talked about last week, Jesus died to give us a brand new identity to make us an unconditionally loved and accepted child and friend of God. And here he says, hey, the reason why I came, the reason why I'm here, you need to understand that I must, uh, that I must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders. I must be killed and after three days rise again. And Jesus is saying, the whole reason why I'm here is to die for you, to die for you. So who is Jesus? Jesus is God. And he came to this earth to die to pay for our sins. So it leads to this question today. Many of us this is not a new truth. This isn't, for many of us, this isn't something that, I lear- that we're learning for the first time today. But maybe it is your first time seeing this from Scripture. What do I do with this? The answer is, you embrace it. We embrace it. One of the most life-changing uh, events in my life was, happened on March 13th, 2016. On March 13th, 2016, uh, a doctor held up a little baby, and I looked at Julianne Alina's eyes for the first time, and I was a dad. For the first time, I looked at my baby, and there she was. She was born, and she was mine, and there was something in my soul that, that changed in a moment. And likewise, whenever we understand, when we understand who Jesus is, when we understand what Jesus has done for us, when we understand uh, from Scripture and even uh, backed up by historical records, when we see that Jesus really did rise again, and when we embrace that and when we accept that, that changes everything for us. And my friend, I'd say this, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you can receive him today. He died to pay for your sins, and you can receive him today. Whenever I look at these questions of, who am I? Why am I here? All of these are answered in, who is Jesus? If Jesus is God, then I am who he says I am. If, if Jesus is God and I'm trusted him, I'm his child. That's an amazing truth. Uh, if, if, I, if, if Jesus is God and he died and rose again for me, then what is my purpose in life? My purpose in life is to do what he says. It's to bring him honor, to bring him glory. That is, that is my purpose. So today, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I'd like to invite you to trust him today. We're all born in sin, but Jesus died to pay for our sins. He's Emmanuel, God with us, who came to be born and die to pay for our sins. And if you'd like to receive Jesus as your Savior, 
maybe in this moment, if you mean it from your heart, the Bible says that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And if you've never done that, if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, and if you'd like to do that, now, would you pray this with me from your heart? Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, and I believe that you died and that you rose again to pay for my sin. Jesus, I believe you, I trust you, I embrace you, and I ask you to make me your child. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're watching online and you trusted Jesus as your Savior uh, for the first time, we'd like to invite you, please go to the newlife.church. There's a connection card. We'd ask you to fill that out and let us know that you prayed and trusted Jesus as your Savior. We'd love to help you grow in your relationship with him. For those of us who know Jesus as our Savior, for those of us who know Christ, this is a truth that we have embraced. This is a truth that we know and that we understand. So how does this impact my life today? How does this impact my life today? If I know and I remember who Jesus is and what he has done for me, that motivates everything in my life. It motivates everything in my life. It motivates me to love Jesus more, to remember that he gave himself, that he traded the splendors of heaven to give himself for me. It makes me love him more. And we see that he gives us a perfect example of how to love others, of how, uh, of how to love others. And whenever I look at his example, whenever I look at his relational example, whenever I look at his purposeful example, whenever I look at his example that was on mission for sharing and living the gospel of Jesus Christ, it changes everything for me. So today I'd like to invite you to remember to love Jesus and love like Jesus, to love like he loved, to, to live your life motivated by this truth that Jesus loved you, he died for you, and he paid for your sins. And whenever I know that and understand that, I will live for him. We could all bow our head and close our eyes for just a moment. We're going to, we're going to pray. I'm going to give you just a moment to reflect on this message. If you'd like to take a moment to pray in your seat, if you'd like to come pray at these, at these steps, if you'd like to take a moment and just reflect on the message, and then we're going to close with a word of prayer. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your amazing love for us. Thank you that you, being God, made yourself of no reputation, took upon yourself the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, being found in fashion as a man, you humbled yourself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to live our lives for your honor and for your glory as a result of the truth that we've embraced, that you are our God, you are our King, you are our Savior. Lord, may we live our lives always, always for you. Lord, I pray for those who may not know you as Savior, I pray that they would embrace this truth today. If they're not ready to embrace it, I pray that they would reach out to us and we could have more conversations about who you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this is your first time, we'd like to invite you again, thenewlife.church. Please go there and fill out a connection card. We'd love to serve you in any way that we can. And if you're interested in partnering with us through giving, you can do that uh, on our website at thenewlife.church. Thank you so much for joining us today. We pray that God uh, would bless you. Have a wonderful day. You're dismissed.